Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. All right, version 2.0 here. We get a redo. We get a uh, we get a, a mulligan. Get a, a mulligan on that. That's it. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Yeah. No, no, no problem. No problem. So we are now live on our on our Facebook uh, page for which is a closed page for Use May ninety one, and then we can uh, we make it open on the Podbean if people choose to look for it. But I think it's mostly just our classmates are looking at it. So Scott, you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. So. Let me just kind of recollect where we were. Uh, so we are live with the Old Grad Podcast, episode number five, with our class president, uh, Scott Clemenson. And Scott hails from Iowa. I think, where, where, where did you say Cedar Rapids? Is, is, is that where you are? Yeah, that's where I'm at, Cedar, Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And uh, he um, hails from uh, Company B2. He's Air Defender. And uh, his current occupation is program manager with uh, uh, Rockwell Collins. And so welcome, Scott. And we were just talking just to sort of like catch back up here. So we were talking a little bit about Oklahoma, our classmates that were there. Uh, there's a few that are still left there. I think Kelly Laughlin and uh, Jen Eikoff and Bax are still there. And um, Todd Wasman has moved on. He just got promoted to Brigadier General. And I think uh, Doug White retired. And uh, is enjoying retirement, and um, so that's just that's the story with Oklahoma. But we almost beat Oklahoma this week, uh, which is we beat them in overtime, twenty-eight twenty-one, and we were getting live updates from our classmates who were at the game. It was not televised, uh, which sucked. But what was televised was Army beating Navy in sprint football. And congrats to our classmate and uh, head coach, Mark West, and his son, uh, Keegan West, who was the star quarterback. So what a what a great and eventful week for them. It was just uh, awesome, awesome for them. So, uh, so Scott, we were just, we we're just, uh, where, where do we left off? You were mentioning about Monique and her, uh, and her, and her podcast last week, that that was, uh, that was one of the better ones. I mean, we've only had four of them, but I mean, I, th- I think our, our podcasting skills are getting better each week, I think, minus this little screw up we had tonight. Oh yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I certainly learned as you did last night what, or uh, last week what ball seventy meant. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know ball seventy was one hundred seventy miles yeah, an yeah. hour on the motorcycle. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I ride bikes, and I, you know, I wasn't familiar with that lingo. So, um, yeah, that was that was a that was good to hear, uh, uh, Monique uh, last week for sure, and Ingrid. So. I would be so afraid to be driving a motorcycle that fast. I mean, I, I've I've been on dirt bikes. I've you know done like that kind of stuff and jumps and whatever. But I, I feel like the the you know going 170 miles an hour. I mean, that's like your game over if you if you have a wreck at 170, you're finished. You're just going to be like you know, they have to. Well, remember, to she said you. if you even just pick up a little bit, if you're not you don't stay crouched down, yeah. you're going to start going. Yeah, oh, okay. you're dumped. So so. I had a, you know, back in my youth, I had a crotch rocket, and I never went a ball 70, but I've been 160-ish, and the front end does start getting light if you don't stay tucked in there, but it's, it's like an, it's like a, it's, it's an adrenaline rush, right? It's, you know, speed can be like a drug, 
And uh, for those of my friends that know me well know that um, I do like to go fast, <laughs> whether it's on two wheels or four wheels. So, uh, But I've never been as fast as Monique, that's for sure. That's, you know, uh, like you said, it's, you know, I, I only did it out here in Iowa. I didn't do it down in Texas, you know, uh, back on, we have a little more open roads out here. Uh, now, I haven't been that fast in, like, forever, probably like 30 years. So not not recently. I wouldn't trust the, well, one, I wouldn't go that fast on my Harley. I don't have a, I don't have a cross rocket anymore. But, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, you, uh, you know I'm, I usually go crank the Harley up when I'm riding it and go get it up to 80, 85, 90 for a little bit, you know. We had a classmate that was... I get in trouble for that. We had a classmate when we were firsties, I think. I'm trying to remember who was it that was in a biking, it was in a motorcycle accident and uh, and graduated on crutches. Oh boy! Somebody. I'm not going to remember that one. Maybe somebody online will remember who that. Somebody's got to populate that in the pocket. I remember there was a like. I think it was like this guy wasn't going to graduate. Like like, and then he he managed to just kind of like also like Dave Reardon kind of thing. But I mean, you know, just just muscled his way to the finish and and finished on time with us. Graduated with us, um, despite the uh, circumstances. So, I. I do, I do remember the guy just going up there in crutches though and getting his diploma. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I certainly like uh, uh, certainly like motorcycles. I know Dan Clark and I used to. Well, we rode at the prep school and then we also rode as cadets because I had a I had my bike out there uh, and car out there as uh, cows and uh, firsties both. I kept my I kept my bike uh, there. Uh, always north of uh, uh, north of West Point. I forget the it's in between West Point and Newburgh. I forgot the name of the town there. But the the guy that uh, filmed for Army football, um, I, I kept it at I kept it at his house because I I filmed for the football team when I was a uh, uh, yearling. So that was that was a lot of that was a lot of fun. Um, Central, so Valley. That, I, Central Valley. Yeah, Central was, Valley. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was drawing. I was trying to think. Trying to think where it was Central Valley. Like, yeah, Central Valley. Yeah, is that where P Lot was? Where people used to have their cars? Is that no, P Lot? No, P P Lot was actually out in uh, Highland Falls. I had I kept my car there. I don't think I ever kept my motorcycle there. I kept my car there for uh, a couple months, but then I I ended up you know you know moving it out to this other guy's house because uh, it was safer there. And yeah, I was always. You know, I I was always concerned whether some uh, overzealous peas would actually or uh, tax would actually go out and you know monitor P lot. So uh, no longer yeah, I, no longer a concern for today's cadets, you know, because they just get an Uber and they're done. I mean, who, why, why would you why would you even need to hide a car? So P lot Joe was a place where you used to hide your car. You you weren't allowed to have a car up there. Right. You park it up there and. And you try not to get busted. And in fact, there's one guy, high profile guy. This guy was like number two in our class. This guy, Tom Pettit, he got busted. I remember that. Like you know, he he was. I was very surprised to see that they took down such a big, big time guy. Well, for someone that's non-military, yeah. What? Why was the restriction of 
no personal vehicles. Uh, who knows? Why, why do they not let you have a rug, a carpet in your room? Why do they not let you, like, you I know, mean, teaching discipline. Uh, I don't know. You know, what, what, what West Point does is it takes away all your rights as a human being yeah. and slowly gives them back to you as privileges. Okay. That, that's what they, like, you yeah. feel, like, really good about the fact that you can now drive a car like every other college kid in America. Yeah, you yeah. Know? okay. <laughs> yeah, and back in the day, you know, if you weren't a first, you didn't get a whole lot of opportunities to leave anyway on the weekend so there's probably really no need for somebody to have a car and plus parking was a you know difficult as it was would be would be my guess so yeah i actually so i actually one time i got sloppy or i got lazy as a cow and i left my uh uh trans am park there at the daily field there right right behind uh uh, the the parade field there, and I forgot there was a home football game the next day, and uh, sure as hell, man, my my car got towed, and I was like, oh no, I'm so busted. But apparently, the MPs they don't run the plates, or if they do, they don't they don't uh, hand them over to USCC. Because all I did is I had to go out. It got towed out to that gas station that was right across the street from Shades, and I don't remember what it was called. And I just had to pay a towing fee, and then and that was it. But I thought for sure I was he dies dead a bullet on that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember Ed Reddington. Ed Reddington used to just park a vehicle right down there at the Thayer. Just said, "Screw it, I'm just going to leave it right here, right, right in the lot, right outside the Thayer Hotel." But he had a reason to. His father was very ill, and so he he was always oh. concerned he wouldn't be able to get out in a moment's notice. And so he said, "Screw it. If they want to if they want to give me a hard time because I kept a, a vehicle here because my dad is dying, basically, I'm you know." But he never got busted with it. But we did take advantage of that a few times. I recall he had like a like a one of those like pickup trucks with a cap on the back, so he could fit like he could fit like two in the front, and like oh. eight in the back. So yeah. well, we took, took advantage I mean, of that. Yeah, I can just see a bunch of cadets packing in the back of that thing. Yeah. So Scott, you you came to West Point through via the prep school. I it came up last week that you were a prepster. So tell me about your yeah. Tell me about your your history, how you got to West Point, what interested you in it, and how uh, you got there. Okay. Well, so yeah, I I came to West Point very eight, not the typical way. So I was, um, you know, when I was in high school. Uh, you know, my, my parents went through a uh, nasty divorce when I was a junior and senior. And, uh, you know, back in rural Iowa, nobody really talked about the academies, you know, as far as, like, guidance counselors or anything like that. But, honestly, I don't know if I would have, you know, if that would have actually you know, piqued my interest or not. But So I went to a year of community college back in southeastern Iowa, and then uh, I, don't know, I, got, I got fed up with all the BS and drama of the – you know the divorce and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. Um, my, so, you know, the, my so, rationale. Hold on. So did you have like siblings also that were going through that with you too? So my sister, and when they when it first happened, she was she had just graduated. She was going off the, so she was out and she was going to college. And mm-hmm. I had a younger brother that was um, three years younger than I was, and I'm sure he, you know, he bore more of the brunt of it than I did just being the younger sibling or, you know, used it to his advantage as the case may be, depending on, you know, he, he was pretty good at playing one off the other. So right. <laughs> there's always that too. But, um, so, so anyway, I, you know, my logic as a 19 uh, year old was like, yeah, I'll go, you know, I'll, I'll join the, join the army. I, you know, I scored well enough on the ASVAB to go in military intelligence and then, you know, 
thought processes was like, eh, if the army thing doesn't work out for me, plus I get 32 grand in the uh, you know GI bill, I was like, I could always come back and be, I'll have a clearance, so I could always come back and be a security guard, right? So, mm-hmm. so you always fall back went, on that. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Because yeah. you, know, you know, being a security guard in you know southeastern Iowa, that's you know big time, right? Yeah. So. Um, uh, Someone's got to keep those cows. cows. Yeah, <laughs> you, you and Gary <laughs> Coleman. Yeah, better than milking cows for the five years that I did through all through high school and college on my uh, grandpa and uncle's farm. But um, so uh, enlisted, went to Fort Dix, the Alpha One Five Basic Training Company at Fort Dix, and uh, I was there about two or three weeks. And they pulled about I don't know fifteen of us out of a I don't know two hundred twenty man uh, basic training unit. Said, hey, you fill the profile. You want to fill out some paperwork and uh, go to the prep school. And I'm like. And for a chance to go to West Point, I was like, I've been in the Army for like three weeks, and I was like, yeah, I want to do what that captain's doing over there, not what that specialist is doing over there. So signed some paperwork, finished basic training, and then got uh, I was shipped off to um, uh, Defense Language Institute at Presidio San Francisco. What you? What, uh, what language? My, what language? Uh, Korean. I'm a Korean linguist. I was oh. a. I was my MOF on was Gulf. On yeah. Uh, uh, so how does that mean that? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That's, that's all I and know. And the other words, that, it, it, well, the other, the other things that we remember, we can't really say, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's something. My 16-year-old, well, when my son well, was 16, he'd be able to carry on a full-blown conversation with no, you. Those I are the languages that he took I know just enough to say hello and goodbye to yeah. the person at the dry cleaner. That's all I know. <laughs> but Yeah. Um, so, so then uh, was out at Procedure of San Francisco. Uh, actually, Dan Clevenger, who was an E1, he was actually there at the same That's time. That's right, yeah, so, Clev. So, so, so Dan and I, uh, we were doing well enough in the course that, because uh, uh, we started in October and it's a 10-month course, but and we went and finished all the paperwork and got accepted to the prep school. Well, we had to leave in June, I think, before we, you know, we had like two or three weeks leave before I had to report to the prep school in July. So they accelerated Clev and I. Uh, by two months so that we could actually graduate and get the diploma and get the credit for going through the uh, Korean course at the at Defense Language Institute. So so did that, then went on to the prep school. And, uh, you know, prep school was a great time, did well there. And, uh, and you know, then, you know, got an appointment to West Point. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it wasn't the uh, typical way that most people make it to West Point. Um, so your you know, parents... Similar, so, so tell me about your, your parents, like, be, like the the painful divorce and all. That. So that you ship off, you're like, screw this, I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. You go out on your own, going to the army. So then, when you go into West Point, do you go like, like, do your parents go there for our day, or, or, or? Oh I, no, no. You guys all my, went there. My as dad a was okay. My dad was only there once, and that was at graduation. Really? And my mom was only there twice, and that would have been. Um, the fall of my first year uh, in October, I, you know, late, late October, I believe, and um, and then she came back for graduation. But yeah, no, my parent, I was a, uh, you know, I, you know, the whole time I I actually adopted a family uh, when I was at the prep school. Um, uh, I you know it goes it goes back to motorcycles. I was riding I was riding my motorcycle down in Belmar and uh, ran across. You know, a few Jersey guys riding, you know, crotch rockets and uh, 
and uh, struck up a conversation with him. And then, and he, he, he was from Freehold and, uh, they had invited me over to their house for Thanksgiving. And I think I spent everything. I think I spent all my Thanksgiving there at West Point coming back to them. And I'm still in touch with him and his parents and stuff. So, um, so yeah, my, uh, yeah, my parents never got, you know, I never got to enjoy the experience or whatever, having my parents come out and see, you know, all that was, I was doing it at the uh, at the academy, which is which is which is fine. Today's you know? today's prepsters don't get that experience. I don't think they have anywhere near the freedom that that you guys had, like to be able to go ride oh, motorcycles. That's like just like that's like West Point light, but it's like right there. And so, I don't, I don't oh yeah, I mean, prep school was a blast because all we had we had two classes. We had four classes a day, like two English and two math, depending on what time of year it was and it was designed to bring up our SAT scores to make us more competitive for an appointment to West Point. So and you had some P T and stuff like that, but I mean other than that, I mean you had uh it was almost like you're you know, just like you're enlisted, right? You you had pretty much uh we could do whatever we want on weekends at least as, as far as I can remember anyway. And um and we started out with like three hundred and thirty and I think uh, we had 185 get accepted into West Point, and then one one of our prepsters, he he came back hot on a urinalysis and gone. You know, mm-hmm. he was in the Alpha Company, uh, Brzezinski, or I forget, I think it was Adam Brzezinski or something like that. I mean, some of the guys in the Alpha Company probably remember him, but. Uh, yeah, so it was it was good. So we had 184 prepsters that uh, went from went on up to in a class. And I honestly, I should have checked that. I'm not sure how many prepsters actually graduated. I, I would imagine uh, that the uh, that there's probably a high, higher percentage of prepsters graduate than the rest. I would think. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I would think. I would think so as well. I know we had our uh, our battalion commander from the prep school who was actually he was a he was a civilian. That came to the prep school, but um, he was, you know, well regarded, and like I said, he was our final battalion commander there, and and uh, he washed out during Beast. Hmm. I would be interested to see. I'm sure, like behind the scenes, and maybe Holly or somebody who knows this can like. I should have asked this there. Like, how do they distribute the the prepsters across? The companies like there's got to be some kind of formula oh. like oh we want this many prior service and this many people you know of, of this ethnic background and this many women and this like i'm sure there's some sort of like distribution like like how i think about the preps of my company we had like two athletes and we had one prior service um i think that we had just had three preps there's like three or four prepsers per per company i think is what there was it was like is brent born Dave Romano and Dave Baxter; those were our three prepsters. Uh, so, I, and they all graduated. There was, you know, we didn't lose any prepsters along the way. So, but uh, so, did, so Scott, your parents, they, they, did they ever like, like, get back on like, uh, like speaking terms, or were they ever like cordial to one another? Or was it always like? I know your father um, passed away a couple years ago, so it's you know. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, so we had to, you know, we had my wedding and, uh, you know, so they were both there. They weren't, we didn't sit them at the same table. So, I mean, yeah, they, they would speak, but it was always, you know, there's always tension in the room. There was never a time when there was tension and they only, they only spoke when they had to speak at, 
you know, stuff. So there's like the, you know, Christmases and, you know, holidays was, you know, it was like, you know, it's, you know, when you get married, right, then you have your holidays and you have your spouse's holidays, right? Well, then when you, when you have one side divorced, right, well, now you have another, another variable to go in there. Mm -hmm. And then if you still have both, if you have grandparents aside, (laughs) alive, then it's like holidays used to be like, uh, it was like trying to, trying to please everyone. And, um, you know, but, you know, I honestly, if I look back at it, you know, it was, it was not fun going through there, but as I've told a few people, I said, my parents getting divorced is probably the best thing that ever happened to me Mm -hmm. because had it not been for their divorce, I likely wouldn't have joined the army and I would not have ended up at West Point. So, I mean, that, that literally changed my life and I think it probably changed it for the better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm certainly not, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there, there's, you know, I was bitter, you know, uh, uh, you know, back in, you know, you know, in, through my problem, my early to mid twenties or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, I look back at that and, you know, you know, yeah, I look at that as lost time now, you know, if only you had your wisdom that you have now, if you had it at a younger age, how you would behave differently and stuff. So sometimes you know, though, that's all good. It's, it's life, right? Well, like you said, it's functional too, right? Sometimes that venomous pissed, pissed offness can actually get, make you do something, you know? And so to your point, maybe there's some, some benefit that came from it. So tell me about, so now you are married for yes. two decades yeah, at least, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, so we just had our 24th anniversary this year and wow. we have, uh, we have two kids. Our daughter, Chloe is 19. And she's a freshman down at the University of Iowa. And then our son is 17, and he's a junior at uh, Xavier High School here. And um, our daughter, Chloe, just she, she had the good fortune of being selected as an um, international rotary youth scholar. So she got to go to Italy last year, the gap year, and spent 10 months in Italy from September to July last year, which was – so she's, like, fluent in Italian now and it's it's so cool and she's going she's kind of going into a linguistics type of track and you know uh you know i think she she's flirting whether or not to go pre-law and you know i think her i think her dream job right now would be like uh you know working for the state department or being a diplomat or something like that because she was involved in model un and all that in high school and got this got to go to geneva when she was in italy to see the actual un headquarters there and we went to New York and toured the, toured the UN headquarters there as well. So, um, so yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, uh, I've had a, I've been blessed with a wonderful wife and family and health and healthy, uh, family. And, you know, I got a, a good package with my in-laws as well. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it doesn't get much better than this, right? And you've got to keep things in perspective. And how far away are your, you said you had a brother and a sister. Are they also local there? And So it's funny. So my, my sister, she actually brought us to Cedar Rapids. So there's a uh, Mount Mercy College is here, local in Cedar Rapids. And uh, she's the one that said, hey, you need to come to Cedar Rapids. And, you know, plenty of opportunities here. And it's just so my wife's a, uh, she's a chiropractor. And there was a, it just so happened that a, a uh, a chiropractic practice came up to came up for sale in uh, Marion, Iowa, which is like a suburb of Cedar Rapids. Don't tell Marion that; they'll get upset. But anyway, uh, so we ended up 
buying a practice uh, for uh, uh, that my wife took over, which brought us to Cedar Rapids. And um, so my sister lived here till about uh, two or three years ago. And Cedar Rapids is divided up into like four quadrants. So even though my sister, she lived on like the northwest side and I lived on the northeast side, and we're literally like 15 or 20 minutes apart. We would literally like see each other every time we went down to mom's about two hours south of here. (laughs) We'd see ourselves more often there than actually getting together and seeing each other for lunch or something like that. Uh, Just because, well, she traveled a lot and and stuff like that. But now she lives over in uh, Ames, Iowa, which is about mm, two hours west of here. And my brother lives um, in uh, Norwalk, Iowa, which is south of Des Moines, which is about just so happens to be about two hours west of here as well, and then they live about I don't know, twenty or thirty minutes apart. Are they so both? They're both. Still, are they both married? Yeah, kids and everything. Yeah, they're both married. Uh, you know, I got my uh, my nephew, my sister's son. He graduated from Iowa State uh, probably three years ago, two or three years ago, and then my uh, brother, he's got uh, let's see, here, well, I think I think she might be she's a senior this year. I think she's eighteen, and then Maggie is probably sixteen. I'm guessing. Huh. Uh, so he has two he has two daughters as well. They're both and they're both married. Uh, so I believe my sister's probably been married. Well, she got well she got married in ninety one. So I remember I graduated and then I came back and had her wedding uh, later in that month of June. So. Wow. And then my brother was married in like 90, uh, 97 or 98, I think. So, so my, my parents also were divorced. It was a pain in the ass. Uh, oh, I'll talk right. about, I'm yeah. sorry to hear no, that. No, 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 but it's the same, the same kind of thing. Like you kind of like want to escape or like, like this is, you know, just like I'm going to do my own thing. But my sister is also divorced. And I, I like having seen divorce from the side of a sibling, I was, that's why I was curious. Like oftentimes the children of divorce end up going through a divorce, but thankfully for you that has not happened. What a pain in the ass that is. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I told my wife, I said, if you ever want to divorce me, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it'd be easier. <laughs> oh, now, now it's memorial. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I know that's right. Now it's now it's now it's actually <laughs> on there, right? Now, I, I mean, what a pain in the ass that is, though. I mean, it's just oh, not- I know. Well, right, and you would think that you know, having having gone through that. Fortunately, I was, you know, I was 16 when you know when it started to fall apart, right? So I was old enough, you know, I was driving i was you know i was working out on the dairy farm a lot and then you know, going to school so i was able to you know you know try and stay away from it for the most part my my brother unfortunately was was not but i i would think that having having gone through that you know i waited you know until i knew i i found the right person for me and you know, and it didn't take long for me to propose to her as well. But that's do, another do you ever story. really know that? I mean, no one, honestly, yeah. is it, I mean, it's just about you got to work at. I mean, it's not like I don't. I don't get sidetracked oh, a whole yeah, yeah, marital, yeah. a whole marital, no, marital yeah. coaching thing or something. But the, um, yeah. it, 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 you know, I just I find that um, you know, it's you just got to work at it. I guess, and thankfully, my wife has put up with my all my all my bullshit for all these years, yeah. which is good. Yeah, like, likewise, brother. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to jump around here a little bit because you got we got a lot yeah. of a lot of things to cover and we we did we talked a little bit on the pre-call and whatnot. So, um, so, so uh, let's jump let's jump to the army stuff real quick and then we'll go back to the to the West Point okay. stuff. So, so you were a Stinger platoon leader in Korea. 
right? So you were one of the hundreds right. of hundreds of our classmates that went to Korea. So where were you stationed in Korea? So I was at Camp Casey, right? Uh, and so for those that know Camp Casey, we our our BOQ was in between Burger King and First Brigade headquarters, right next to the softball. Diamond, right next to the softball diamond on the I know exactly. I know exactly then, where you were. Yeah. Yep. And then and then uh, I supported. So I supported first the five hundred six up at uh, Camp Greaves, Greaves. I believe it was yeah, the Curries. The Curries, right? Yeah. So yeah, I still. I mean, I still have that shirt, man. That, that's one of my favorite shirts, man, because it makes me feel like a badass every time I put it on. Right? It's got it's got DMZ police on the back and in Korean. And you know that I wear it, and people think like I'm I'm, I'm a badass infantryman instead of a duck hunter. So well, you know. <laughs> so yeah, but, first the five hundred six was Kurt. So that was that was the same unit that was actually it tracks back to World War Two, the Band of Brothers like battalion, I think, right? The the uh, Kurhi. Uh, and I, the, I believe that's correct. And then first the five hundred third, first the five hundred third has another has also has a very storied. Uh, history as well, uh, which was the other infantry uh, um, regiment yeah. that was up there. Which North was, of the Imgen. Yeah, yep. that was the one that, that I supported. That was some. That was that was great training. It was a great first assignment, and I think like there were so many of us that was there. That was like that. That was actually such a great assignment. But also, you, you'd always run into people that you saw, like out there. You'd be in the field. You'd be oh. like, in, oh, going, yeah. you, you, there was tons of our classmates all over the place. And I, I think that the reason why that was was because so many people got stop lost in Korea during the time of Desert Storm and Desert Shield. So, you know, basically what was happening was that they had everybody that was deploying and they were all in Desert Storm and Desert Shield. And they said, we've got nobody to go through this rotation. So you're all stuck in Korea for an extra six months or extra, you know, nine months. So there was like this massive personnel changeover that was happening in 91. That's why I think there were so many slots to Korea. Because now I don't think you see that many people go to Korea from West Point when they graduate like we did. I think like a third of our class went to West Point. Korea. Yeah, and 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 they've drawn down a lot too since we were over there too. I mean, I don't know what the you know what the personnel count is over there now, but I know I'm pretty sure they've drawn down quite substantially since we were there. Um, at least that that's that's my perception anyway. Whether it's accurate or not, I'm sure one of our classmates could probably tell us. So was Brent was Brent Crabtree there with you? He's also an ADA guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he was a duck hunter. So. Um, so Brent and I met in, uh, we were in the same Buckner platoon, and, oh God, I mean, maybe Brent will know what company we were in. I, I don't know if sure it was like fifth or sixth. I mean, we were kind of up on top of the hill. So that's where I met Brent. And then we actually ended up being roommates at OBC at, at Fort Bliss. And then uh, when he, he actually ended up in Bravo Battery over at Camp Hovey, and I was at Camp Casey. So we were in the same battalion, and... Uh, you know, saw each other a lot whenever we rolled to the field and, and whatnot. And then obviously on the weekends, you know, downrange in uh, TDC. So, yeah, I think I ran into you guys a few times down there too, down in TDC. Yeah, yeah. I used to call, I used to call uh, Clev the, the mayor of TDC. Oh. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> he was in my battalion. I love Clev. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. He was, he was an engineer guy. And just because, you know, Clev, he, he was, he was a very good student at DLI, and he 
he knew Korean, uh, you know, you know, the language a lot better than I did when, when we graduated. So, uh, so, uh, yeah, I always tease Clev that I called him the mayor of TDC. So, yeah. Clev, I remember Clev and I used to play racquetball, and I could not beat that guy. He was, I mean, you know, he, like, you know, Clev's not like, yeah, he's an, he's athletic. You got to be athletic to go to West Point. Everybody does, but th- that guy was like right. a freaking like spider monkey out there on the racquetball court. Like he just, and he could always place it like right in the right in the right where I wasn't, you know. And I get so frustrated, and uh, I I never beat the guy. I I came close, but I never beat him. So we had, we had a lot oh, of time. I yeah, I got a quick funny story about Clef. So he grew up in the mountains of West Virginia, right? So, so we were, so we were, we were at language school together. So uh, he had some cousins in uh, Missouri, right? That's going to be on my way back to Iowa because uh, you know, I had my, you know, I had the Trans Am out there with me in in in, in San Francisco. So we're going to drive back across across country on our way to uh, Fort Mama to the prep school. Well, so I'm driving and I get. You know, I get through the Rockies. We're coming back on must have been I don't know, seventy or some something. But we get through the Rockies. And I'm like, hey, all right, I've been driving for a long time, and I'm like, all right, uh, your turn. Your turn to drive, right? Because I don't know that he had driven, you know, uh, too much before then, or 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 not. Maybe just because it was my my car, not his. But so we're driving along, and you know, I'd only been out for like an hour or something like that, and all of a sudden I heard I hear him swear, and I'm like, what? And he goes, oh, my God, there's a huge storm coming. I'm like, what? And here, you know, cause, so we were out in the plains. It was like in between the Colorado and Kansas border. Well, it was just one of those, uh, you know, summertime, you know, storms like heat lightning or whatever, right? But, and you could just, you know, just lights up the whole sky, right? Well, you're used to that if you grew up in Iowa. But in, when, in the mountains, you don't see lightning that far away. <laughs> he was just like. He was just petrified? Like, oh. Oh yeah, it's like it's like no, dude. It's fine. It's just you know, it's heat lightning. You, you'll be you'll be fine. You know, let's let's, let's drive on or whatever. But yeah, I never I never thought about that. Right when you know, if you growing up in like you know, the West Virginia the whole time and you see lightning or whatever, it's going to be pretty close in just because of the mountains and stuff. Whereas if you're you know out in Iowa and where you know we we have hills and not mountains and. You know, you can see lightning way, way away, and especially he was dry. It was at nighttime too, so that was that's what was really made it. You know, enhance the you know effects. I guess. I remember I ended up doing a reporter survey on Clev's platoon uh, for some bullshit. There was like a lost radio, and uh, I got. Did uh, I just see getting? No, no, like no, 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 that didn't happen to him. No, it didn't happen at all. It happened in a change of, a change of command. It wasn't even him. It was his company commander. He had the most screwed up company commander in, on, in the army back when we were, when we were in. So this guy was like, this guy was a complete soup sandwich. And so it was, I think it was Clev's radio, but it was like, you know, it was, it wasn't properly signed down to him or some bullshit. And like, he didn't even see it or something. It, they, the company commander ended up losing a radio. It was his fault. So I had to go, like, like when you do your like proximate cause investigation, it was company commander's fault. So here I was like, you know, first lieutenant basically finding some, right. some company commander responsible for it. And, uh, but I just remember that Clev was like, I didn't have, it. I didn't even saw the freaking radio. It was like, it was captain, you know, dipshit. He never even, he never even like, never even signed it down to me. So I remember <laughs> that was, this is some, some, yeah, crazy we time. Ran, a, ran across a few of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and now, uh, 
So then after after Korea, then where where'd you go? Uh, so I extended there for uh, for a second tour in Korea. So so you did two uh, years and, there. Uh, yeah, I did two years there. So I came back as the uh, executive officer for uh, my battery. So I did my XO time while I was in Korea. So I was that was a good time. And uh, you know, speaking of divorces, my <laughs> my battery commander was over there, and uh, he had his wife there in the BOQ with him, and it was an it was an unaccompanied tour, but he still had her over there, and they, yeah, they were having troubles, marital, marital troubles, and it spilled over into the battery. And you know, I'm getting calls. You know, you know, it's never, it's never good when the battery XO is getting called from by the battalion XO and the battalion commander wanting to know what's happening or reporting on the marital situation of your battery commander and mm-hmm. you know and then you're and then you're confined right there on casey so everybody knows everybody else's business i mean i think you had the brigade s3 calling our battalion xo and yeah it was it, it was a mess but it was i mean that was it was that was that was certainly i enjoyed being a battery xo over there in korea there's some crazy stories in the army that involve like marriages and people and and I just think about some of the things that just went down, especially at Fort Eustis. At Fort, when I was stationed at Fort Eustis, I had guys doing stupid, crazy stuff. Like I didn't even like, I couldn't even fathom what was going on. There's, this one guy, this one guy, this guy, he was a staff sergeant. He was actually Sar- Staff Sergeant Brown. He would rent furniture, and then he would sell. He would sell it. Like he he'd rent a bunch of stuff, and then he would sell it. And then and then go and rent a bunch of other stuff, and he would sell it. And he he had like three whole like housefuls of furniture that he had sold. He rented and sold. And I was like, Sergeant Brown, like, what's the end game here? Like, we like, like how how are you not gonna how are you gonna not end up getting chaptered out of the army doing this and like in jail or something? He was like, I don't I don't know, sir. I just I didn't think like, I don't I forget what he did, but just stuff like that. And then this just. Insane, like like Monique was talking about. Monique had some some crazy some crazy antics in her unit too. Like, just insane. So like, yeah, it's um, yeah. This certainly it was some interesting times for sure. Some some we can share and some we can't. Yep, yep, yep. So going back, going back. I'm gonna like I said, I'm gonna jump around here. So number of hours you walked on the area, you were part of that group that Holly talked about a few weeks ago. You got a first-class board oh, as a plebe. Yeah. Hey, th- so take me back here. It's four plebes and two firsties drinking or going going out on the town. And so, yeah, so it was like it, yeah, so it was like Wednesday of Navy week, right? And we'd been doing spirit missions all week, so it was Wednesday. It was like 11.30. I still remember it like it was yesterday. I'm like, I'm like in my room. You know, trying to get you know, I was, you know, trying to get some rack time in, and Tammy Zalewski, uh came in. It's like, hey Scott, come on, let's go do a spirit mission. I was like, yeah, no, I'm tired, right? So finally, after the third time, I was like, all right, damn it, let's go do a spirit mission so I can come back and get some sleep or whatever, right? So, so we, I left, and you know, Holly was there, and I don't remember, but then it was Sean Maxey and Vince Lindemeyer, and. uh Oh, we were going outside, but then these two firsties said, "Hey, let's go do a spirit mission." We're like, "Oh, okay." You know, or I, I don't know the exact details of that, but somehow we ended up in a. I know Holly said it was a VW. It was a seventy-five, like a seventy-five Mustang two. At least that's my 
recollection of it. So they had two first season there, and one of them was uh, Duff. His name was Duff. He was a, he was a football player. He was on special teams, and the other first season was Alan O'Hara, who was a total haze, right? As a first, I mean, a big haze in our company. So it's like, oh wow, you know, hey, this guy is, you know, he's a haze, but now he wants to go do a spirit mission. Oh, that's cool. Let's go, right? So I'll jump into this car. Sick. Uh, five pleads and two firsties in this car. And so we're, we're driving along, and as we're going out there, Gate, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, this might not have been the smartest decision that I've ever made, right, now, now that we've blown post. So we end up going to the hilltop there in Highland Falls. And um, because I was prior service and, you know, had a year of community college, I was, I was 21 as a plebe, so I was the only one that out of the – out of the five of us, I was able to drink, and I think, I think uh, Holly and Vince and those they were shooting pool, and uh, the firsties they were they were just getting plowed. I mean, they were they were they were gone. So anyway, there's no they couldn't drive. So we had um, Sean Maxey drive us back, and thankfully, <laughs> thankfully Holly, well, you know, who's, you grew up in Highland Falls. She knew the back she, she knows, she, she, oh, she knows everything, right? So there is a, they're used to, I'm not sure if it's still there or not, because I've got to believe it was 9-11 that they probably have fixed this, but there used to be behind McDonald's a, uh, a trail or a path that you could drive down. It was just dirt. It was just dirt with, like, we'll grab two tire tracks. You could drive down, and it would take you down along the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she says it's closed, it's closed down, down now. At, at South Docks. And, and that's how we got back on post. And then we parked, I don't know, somewhere around on the Mahan or Thayer and then walked back up to the barracks. And then, you know, there's a few yearlings that, you know, saw us coming, coming in there. And I just told, I told her, I was like, don't say a word, just go back to your rooms and don't, don't say anything, right? But there was like a civil war between 89 and 88 in our company. And I, I thought we would be, you know, I think we thought we'd be, you know, sheltered because we we're the firsties and they, the first, they weren't going to, nobody's going to turn in the firsties. Well, that turned, that turned out to be wrong because I can still remember it. Uh, my, my squad leader, Chris, Chris Chavez, class 89, I was at the army Navy game and, uh, you know, rumors had been swirling and people talking on the breath and she came right up and got right up and she goes, I know what you did to that Clemson. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I ended up getting a regimental board, and I think I got 40 hours on the area and, and like, 30 demerits and 30 days restrictions. So that's what I had to look forward to coming back through Christmas break as, as a plebe. So you still managed to uh, to recover from that, and you, know, you were on brigade staff as a firstie. They didn't hold it against you by the time you were a firstie. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was, I was uh, fortunate, or maybe they lost my record. I, I don't know. So we were talking <laughs> before. So brigade. So you're talking about brigade staff, right? So you were like whatever brigade uh, party I was, officer. I was brigade activities officer. Brigade. I, was, I was captain fun. Captain fun. So I was trying to think this through actually. So we had Doug. Doug McCormick was our was our brigade commander, right? So we had Doug. Yep. Dougie's number Doug. one. And then who was the yep. deputy brigade commander? Was that was that uh, Sean Baker? Green. Sean Green, right? No, Sean Green. Mm-hmm. And then isn't there like an XO too? Mike Rooney. Mike Rooney. And then we had the S1, right? Sam Yinks. Sammy Yinks, who was my roommate on brigade staff. Right. And then we had the S3, which is Rich Gordon. Rich Gordon, yeah. Right. And the S4, which is Bernie Christensen. Bernie Christensen. And the S whatever you were, or whatever it was, S whatever, S... 
Is there S something? I was S nothing. S, I was, S it was nothing. It, I was the cadet activities. I was the activities officer. All right. So, so, so it wasn't S nothing. So here's our brigade staff. And then, okay. and then we had Desiree Gibby as the brigade athletics officer. Uh, all right. So forget about her for a second, just because I'm thinking yeah, about okay. this. This is like the third Reich, right? Like there's like zero yeah. zero diversity on that brigade staff. <laughs> like zero diversity. Dougie, yeah. Sean Green, Sam Yinkst, Rich Gordon, you, Bernie Christensen, Mike Rooney. Mike Rooney. I mean, <laughs> that that I mean, like like to Monique's point from last week, like how she, the, the brigade staff was like so, so like diverse, you know. You think? Yeah. I what I, I like were they just not was that even not even consideration? I guess back then I I don't know. I, you know. I don't know, you know, the funny thing about it is, is that, you know, everybody else that was on permanent brigade staff, those folks that you just talked about, they got notified early and came back from their, you know, if they were on a CTLT or whatever, they came back early to, uh, you know, to get, you know, they were notified that they were on brigade staff, so they, their, like, so either their leave or their CTLT was come short to get come back and get ready for the course. So here I was, I was down to Pentagon, which was which that was a, that was a cool one, right? Because that's when Desert Shield was breaking out, right? And I had my sponsor at the prep school at that time was a uh, I just I just happened to get linked up with him. Uh, it was General Bald Brigadier General Baldwin because he was from the Quad Cities, so he was I was from Iowa, so you know they kind of matched us up with you know from the same region or whatever. Well, he was now a two star down in the he was like J six or something. So during when I was down there as a as a firstie, I got to go into the uh, into the NIMIC and had lunch in the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, dining room and stuff. And it was cool walking in there. And you know, I had my cadet uniform on and all these like O fives and O sixes. Like we're like, what the hell is that guy doing in here? I could I could see imagery and everything. But I had a, I had a TS from when I was in military intelligence that allowed me to go in in there. So. That was that was cool, but anyway, so I come back from my you know CT or whatever they called it, uh, you know from the from the Pentagon, and uh, so I'm going over to my company and I'm I'm trying to look to see what I'm you know they had your position posted or whatever, and I don't I don't think I don't recall seeing my name and I'm like, what's going on or whatever and you know then I then I, I then I I don't know how I found out I was like oh well you're on you're on brigade staff and I'm like what so. Yeah, I ended up, so I did a, you know, for the first part of my summer, I, I helped out uh, during Beast One, and when we were firsties, I, Matt Lynch, I think, was, I'm not sure if they called it activities officer or not, but anyway, I was one of, I was his deputy or whatever, and I remember uh, I had I had the task of putting together a uh, MS Access spreadsheet or database of all the incoming plebes. And then I had to cross-reference them with sponsors on West Point. And, you know, we dissected that class every which way from, you know, what, gender, uh, ethnicity, uh, religious preference, congressional background, sport, uh, you name it. To create I had this diversity. Well I, well, I don't know. I, I guess perhaps, but honestly, it was like trying to make sure that I don't know if it was mainly diversity or putting folks together with common shared experiences more than diversity, actually, I think. Because this is that first, like, plebe, you know, they've only been there, like, for three or four days or whatever. 
and then they're going to have their, you know, go over to their, you know, get linked up with their sponsors. So I, I don't, I, honestly, at that point, I'm not sure if it was a, a diversity thing versus more of, you know, let's try and put them together where they have some, uh, some common, at least something in common, right, that, uh, that they could either share with their sponsor or other cadets that, uh, or other pleads that was going to be at their sponsors. Like, you know, maybe they're both from Iowa, let's say, right, because, you know, I knew most of the other most of our other cadets that was from Iowa, I knew them. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I and, and I don't know if uh, you know if I you know if I got visibility from that, and that's what propelled me to uh, being captain fun or not. But uh, uh, you know, like I said, I was I was not a star man. I had a first class board and my my background. So um, so yeah, I was uh, I was I was very fortunate because I tell you what, that was. A, that was a good gig being captive fun, being able to, you know, do all the, uh, activities for the core and, uh, and, uh, you know, getting to select the design of the army Navy shirt and then oh, the, yeah, yeah. For the army yeah. Navy stuff. Let's talk, yeah. And and then, so what happened in our Cal year that that, that, that army Navy shirt was short sleeve and it made no sense. That's why we lost the Navy that year. They, they oh, kept yeah. the Remember IMP? the A-man or yeah. something like that? Yeah, that was, that was, uh. That was just a complete sort of like, uh, like deficit or loss of creativity or something. It made no sense, and and then we lost that year. It just it was crazy. So the ar- the uh, the army uh, a man, I am a man or something. So it was like a Batman yeah, and Robin yeah. or something, some kind of stupid thing. So you know, yeah. speaking speaking so. Um, Along the lines of like looking at groups of people and lists of people, I mean, like one of the reasons for this podcast is that we want to try to boost our participation among our classmates for our 30 year gift. And that's one of the, that is a primary impetus for starting this podcast is to create a new medium to speak to our classmates and stress the importance of, of getting to our class giving. So one of the things like I get to look at the different lists of companies and, and see who is given and who is not given. And you, you, you get to see like this, there's some patterns that sort of begin to emerge. Uh, first of all, um, your company, Company B2, is one of the top black group companies. I think you guys are about 74% participation, so thank you for Bulldog B2 for your leadership. Cool. Yeah, you guys are doing a good job. But one of the things that I noticed, and I, I mentioned this to, to Holly and Mark, but uh, like it, it, it deserves some more thought. There is a high number of career Army officers in B2, a much higher number than you see on average across the rest of the Corps of Cadets. Like, if I look down this list of your company mates, there's about 14 or 15 out of the 25 that were career Army officers, and, which is a much higher number that you see than, like, my company, Company F1, that has, like, five or six. And I, I think on average, probably what we see is somewhere between, you know, five and eight people per company or company are career army officers. But company B2, you guys have, uh, you guys, you guys have about 15. You got Perry, Perry Beisel, Robert Brinson, Chaplain Kurt Cizik, um, Andre Fallett, uh, Rob Hines, uh, Scott Kabita, Jeff Libby, uh, Vince Lindemeyer, Andrew Miller, Greg Mulgavero, Jason Schrader, 
Chris Watchrude and Holly. That's I don't know how many I just named, but that's that's a high number. And, what, and Craig Whiteside. Craig Whiteside. Okay, I, somehow I missed yeah. him on this list. I wonder why that might be. You know what 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 would cause like one group to have a higher affinity for for I mean I don't think it, it may, maybe it's completely random but uh, I'm gonna do some more I'm gonna do some more looking into that to see. Well, you know we are we were the you know can't be too mellow company mm-hmm. at uh, at school so and we also had you know Club Bijou typically on. You know, Friday or Saturday nights down in our down in the day room too, where we got the uh, disco lights going. Had our own little uh, DJ going down there. Uh, uh, got got busted a few times by the uh, OIC, but but uh, you know, you know, in all seriousness, I you know, I, I'm not sure, Jamie. I don't know if it's uh, if there was something there that instilled you know a, a you know a sense of uh, service in. Uh, in our company, uh, um, or if it's you know if it's random, I you know hmm. be, because I because I I gotta believe that you know that folks look at this to try and figure out the magic sauce or the magic recipe, right? Because they would want to replicate that over and over again, right? To where they you know try and maintain as many graduates you know either in active or armor reserves for as long as possible you know concurrent with the mission of usma so um you know i i don't really know i don't know if they're you know i mean we had you know i can think back and look at our tax and i mean i mean they were okay i don't know that they were you know you know the the best tax in the in the in the core but we know monique's tax certainly wasn't the best yeah, right, 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 yeah. Yeah. Glad we didn't have him as a. As I, yeah, a uh, I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know how influential or not the tax are. I just I find it. I find it interesting. I'm going to do some further analysis of this as I, as I scroll through our list of uh, of of potential donors and look for those kind of patterns. Well, I, I I do know that I do know that at least I have. Let me look at let me look at the list again. There, there's at least four aviators in that crew, right? Mm-hmm. You had. Um, so Scott Kabita, Andy Miller, Jeff Libby, and Mogo, Greg Magavro, they were all aviators. And I and my apologies if any of the Bulldogs are on here and there's uh I don't know if Bobby Brinson Bobby Brinson oh, I think Bob Brinson was an aviator as well. So we had what is that, five or six that were aviators, right? So I mean, I don't know if aviators tend maybe to stay in and we had a you know, a disproportionate number of aviators in our in our company as well. I, mm. I, I don't know. I throw that out there. For yeah, I, 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 there's probably that's know. probably another thing that I'm sure that the the West Point's cranking because there's like right. how many infantry officers did, did you have in a, in one company versus the other? You know, my company we didn't have very right. many at all. Um, right, and I think and I think Andre Fowler. I think he's like a. I think he's a physician. I'm pretty sure he's a he's a a doctor mm. and. uh Cooper, Coopy, he he's a physician as well, but I, you know, uh, doesn't, you know, he's got Mister in front of his name, so I'm not sure if he, you know, went the full twenty or not. If um, if that's what you're uh, counting yeah. as the uh, career, right? We got a lot of Army docs uh, in our class too. Um, Mark Potter, who's oh, another yeah. prepster, he's an Army doc. So yep. 
he's the guy that filled up a Volkswagen with uh, diesel fuel, so or you know a regular car with diesel. So I don't know if I would. So, <laughs> I don't know. Why, you you want to get a blood transfusion? Well, that's yeah, right. You see him; he's going to end up with. <laughs> he probably have a thermometer behind his ear because he stuck a pencil up a patient's ass. <laughs> I, I don't know Mark that well. Hopefully, hopefully you do. <laughs> I love Mark. Mark. Mark is so funny. Mark. I talked to Mark a few, like a few months ago. I actually, because you know, Mark. Here's a story about Mark Potter. Mark Potter was supposed to get chaptered out during plea beer, because during during plea beer during Beast, he ended up having a detached retina. And so that right there was like grounds for not being commissioned. And he came back after like a six week, like a six week thing. And, uh, and like, but he came back and he's finishing the last couple of days of, of beast barracks. And he was basically a civilian cause he didn't have any basic training and he was a, he was a basketball recruit. And so he's back for one yeah. week. He's back for one week and we're in the leadership obstacle course and he falls and he breaks his arm like in 15 places, like compound fracture, like bones sticking out like crazy. And so, uh, so the back in the hospital and then the orthopedist says, I'm sorry, you, you can't, you know, like your, your arms too, ma- your arms way too mangled. You're not commissionable. And so he said, so he basically said, well, I'm already getting chopped out for the, for the eye thing. So the orthopedic guy said, okay, well, I don't need to worry about it. And then the, the eye guy, he said, well, I'm getting chopped out for my arm. And so he didn't do anything about it. And then he skated all the way through and graduated and became an army doctor. So, well played. Yeah. Yeah. Well played. Well played. So he made it all the way through. And I guess was just always concerned about somehow his commissioning physical was going to like preclude him from being commissioned, but he managed to do it. Good old Mark Potter. That's that's a good story there. Yeah, yeah. He he was California dreaming. My friend Mark Potter. So he's got he's got four kids. He's got three three daughters. They're like eighteen, seventeen, and fifteen. And then he's got a three year old son. <laughs> little uh, little um, yeah. love baby, love baby. So he was telling the story about that too. I mean, like because they apparently. God bless him. Yeah, well, apparently the first three were all like. You know, they they had, they had went through all the fertility challenges and everything. They had the they had the first three, so they never thought anything would ever happen. Like threw caution to the wind, and kabam, she had another one. Like you know, years and years later. But it looks like they're having a lot of fun with him. So that that's uh, that's one happy family. And she's a doc too, but she she was direct commissioned. She became a doctor. Because he was in the army, so so she was in med school. They met in med school, and she said, "Well, I might as well become a medical, an army doctor too." So she went into the army. She like had like zero, like you think Patsy was clueless about army stuff. I mean, she was like even more clueless. Like she, I think she saluted like with her left hand. She like, but um, and she, I think she stayed in. They they both got out before the full twenty, I think, but. He's now in California, living a good life of uh, being a doctor and 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 coaching basketball and all that kind of stuff. So, so That's Scott, cool. tell, what's your favorite memory from being at West Point? What's what, what what when when you think about your West Point your West Point experience? What's the one that what's the part that makes you the most proud or the most most memorable? Oh, so you know I'm. I'm a great hog. I, I mean, I actually, I, I love that place. I mean, I know, well, I'm, I'm guessing that if folks are listening to this podcast, that we probably got a disproportionate number of gray hogs listening to the podcast as well. But, um, I would certainly class myself as a, as a gray hog. Uh, so there's a lot of, you know, memories there, but I guess 
the one that I really cherished the most, I guess if there's a cherished one, was um, the uh, getting getting to meet uh, Stevie Nicks and uh, Christine McVie and uh, Mick Fleetwood and all of Fleetwood Mac there in uh, early November uh, when I was a firsty because they had uh, they had a they had a concert uh, with the you know concert was or like I said early November and sometime in late September they came and their manager had said that they were going through and canceling like every third date because um uh, what i was told is that stevie had it written under a contract that um you know uh, she'd have to perform, perform three nights in a row and it just so happened that the date at i call was the third night so anyway they uh discussed they said well we want you to write a letter to uh to fleetwood mac or whatever you know asking them to reconsider performing for the corps of cadets or whatever so i wrote this flap you know, sappy, you know, three-page letter to, uh, on behalf of the Corps Cadets to, uh, to members of the Fleetwood Mac and to, and I wrote a separate letter to their manager, uh, I think his name was like John Courage or Courage Management or whatever, and asked him to deliver the letter to members of the Fleetwood Mac. And, uh, anyway, long story short, that, uh, shortly after, you know, within a week after sending the letter out, they came back and confirmed that they were going to play West Point. And then, uh, Joe Clark and I got to meet the, uh, band, uh, the entire band backstage, uh, and, uh, got, you know, I got a teddy bear, a teddy bear from, uh, Stevie and, uh, Christine. Little Freudian slip there. Taken. Little Freudian yeah, slip yeah, there. Yeah, we're yeah. Gonna, we, we're we, do that. We got, do we, do we got, Stevie like Nicks. Second delay on that <laughs> we can't dump that. Sorry. No, we're lying. <laughs> we got you, man. Has just happened. It, it's my it's Listen. my Iowan accent. Oh, so, okay, uh, okay. It, it, anyway, uh, and and I got a uh, Mick Fleetwood gave me a gave me his drumsticks that he played uh, that night with, and uh, I got a uh, program from him. And Mick had said like thanks for the gig, and so that was that was really cool because I know I remember as a plea when we first came in there, you know, they had you know, we filled out three by five cards, that, you know, gave some, you know information about like where you're from you know your favorite hobbies what's your favorite you know band or artist and i actually had stevie nicks on my three by five card as, as a plea so that was that was a that was a big thrill for me i mean just that that year on uh on brigade staff there's just so many different different things that i got to experience that was uh that was that was pretty cool and and, and you know, we we got B two was known for going on spirit missions as well. So there's some there's some cool spirit missions. Although the one that I mentioned earlier to the hilltop certainly is not a cherished memory. It's a memory, but I wouldn't put it up there as a cherished memory, uh, given the uh, outcome of that one. What company was it that somebody stole the the comms car and tried to move it into the mess hall and they scratched it? It was like an Audi. They uh, they picked it up and they walked yeah. it into the mess hall. That was a. Was that when we were firsties? No, no, that wasn't where Pleves. Okay, Pleves were okay, yeah, I was like, I don't remember yeah. that one. I remember the goat. I remember, uh, you know, some of our classmates. I know Ted Russ and crew, you know, stole the goat, and uh, we were, you know, because the com was. I mean, well, both the soup, but normally brigade staff. Well, at least me, I never really dealt with the soup too much. Is always uh, dealing with General Bramlett as the com. And I don't know if Doug and you know and Mike or Sean have had to deal with the suit, but uh, I know that that was uh, high stakes when 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 we had stolen the goat uh, as first.
universities. I say we when Ted and whoever else was on that illustrious crew. And then, uh, and then I remember getting a, a call or something that, and I don't know if I went to Central Garden, but anyway, they they turned the goat over to the myself goat, and others. They were concerned that the, because the, yeah, go ahead. Because the goat was sick. Yeah, they, I mean, they thought the goat was going to die. How do you know if a and goat is so, sick? Like, what was a goat have like a runny nose? Like, is a goat coughing? Like, uh, what the goat like? I, I, how do you know if a goat? I sick? don't know. Maybe it maybe it stopped eating garbage or something. I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, I just I just remember even finally, uh, you know, getting that goat. I remember the goat smelling very very bad. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was cool. Those guys who. Uh, who pulled that off and in the whole uh video that went with it i mean that that's that's awesome and i know you know uh ted had uh i think he t- did he talk about that in his book that he wrote you know a couple years ago i think yeah, so, yeah i think the whole um, book was about that spirit mission it was about about yeah, yeah yeah so so yeah so that was uh um so, so that, that was pretty cool too you know getting getting the go but but i remember that thing smelt the smelt the high heaven so I, I don't know where they were keeping it at but um he could probably follow the smell and you know figure that out so when uh, going back thinking about memories of west point and we're and talking about like our divorced parents we were talking about before like our my parents were divorced and it was a pain in the ass i just remember like I I just who's coming up? Who's like who's going to do yearling? Who's going to come the five hundredth night? Because I was close enough that my parents could come there, right? Because I was like only like an hour and a half, two hours away, and so so five hundredth night was like right. a big deal because my parents were like yep. they were they were they were brawling about some stupid thing, and I was like, you know what? Nobody's coming to five hundredth night. Like that's it. I'm just going to have my girlfriend and maybe my grandparents, and that's it. You know. So I was like dealing with this whole like family feud bullshit, you know. And I remember we were right, I, right. I, I was on class committee, uh, as were you. You were you were VP back then, I think, right? Were you VP of our class? I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. so I'm talking to our classmate Shannon BB like before we have like some class committee meeting, and he's like, "Hey, you know, 500th night, like we really need somebody to to head that up and the chair that that weekend." And would you would you consider doing it? I'm like, I consider it. I have to think about it. So I'm going through all this other bullshit with my parents. I'm not even thinking about like doing something like that, you know. And then he gets up, he gets up, and he's like, "So I want to open up this meeting. I want to thank Jamie Schleck for volunteering to chair 500th night." And uh, take on this big responsibility of planning this whole thing, and I was like, "Thanks, Shannon." Like the the, the Shannon Beebe School, <laughs> the Shannon Beebe School of Volunteerism, is uh, is I got BB'd. So, oh man, yeah. So I got the uh, uh, I well, I think I actually volunteered for it. I got to I got to run our car show as you know our, when we were juniors. Oh my god, run the or the or the first car show, I guess. So. Uh, uh, that was that was uh, uh, a, a great experience uh, negotiating with all the local dealerships and GM corporate trying to and the banks trying to get the best deal for you know our classmates at at the car show. So um, that that was that was a that was an interesting experience as well. I don't know if I got BB'd on that one or if I actually volunteered for that because I'm kind of a gearhead. Yeah. So. 
Well, one of our stated objectives in the old grad podcast is to remember our classmates who have who have who have gone on to a, to another life, who's who have passed on, and the great Shannon Beebe is one of those. Um, you know, and he's uh, he was he was our class president for for a time, and uh, was a was a larger than life character. You know, to to, to, yep. to say the least, and uh, we all miss him dearly. And, um, and so, um, you know, and as we talked on the pre-call too, I mean, like there were some times, there were some tense times between you and Shannon, but, um, we also know that you guys had profound respect for one another. Um, and, um, so we miss, we, 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 we miss him dearly, but, um, you were saying that one of the challenges, like, cause you know, Shannon was not like, at the time was not being super responsive to AOG. The AOG would start reaching out to you on certain things, right? So what... what... Yeah, yeah. So it was back, uh, boy, it was my second tour in Korea. And um, I remember getting, uh, I don't know if it was, it must have been an email from AOG about, um, it was actually about John Tyner's death, about, hey, we've had a death in your class and you know we haven't been able to get in touch with shannon because i think because um, i wasn't even aware that because i was over in korea and i don't think i was aware that bill love had passed away you know um earlier that year and um so at that point so you know i was actually had uh that was my first experience um you know, contacting, uh, you know, our, you know, fallen, fallen classmates, uh, next of kin and, uh, you know, expressing condolences on behalf of the class, uh, for their loss. And, um, you know, and then I came back from Korea and, uh, um, I don't know when I first was able to reconnect with Shannon. I mean, he was in Germany too. So it wasn't like it was, you know, real easy for him either uh being overseas and then um he had some health issues too that he wasn't real comfortable sharing and you know you know so we had you know we had a frank discussion about you well you know um i understand you have health issues and you know if you didn't want to share them then at least you know say hey i'm gonna have to you know i'm gonna have to take a sabbatical or whatever from being class president for you know X amount of time. Can you, you know, take the reins until I'm ready to step back into it? And, um, you know, like I said, you know, uh, we had, you know, a tremendous respect for Shannon. He did a lot for the class while we were certainly at, at school and represented us well. I mean, especially I still remember graduation, him handing, handing, uh, the print of the, uh, the long gray line to, to President Bush. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's good. And, you know, it's, you know, it's really unfortunate how, you know, the the plane accident that he was in that, you know, took his life. And, uh, you know, he was another one. He, I think he was a motor, he was a motorcycle guy, too, I think. Right. He was he, I think, he, he, he um, think he you know, if he was. I, I know. I know. I never rode with him. That that could have been the case. But, you know, I know he was doing he was doing some interesting stuff right over in like Africa. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, you know, I don't sure if he was like with the State Department or. He's another ID or something like that. But, he's another one of our know. classmates that wrote a book too. There's a book that's out there that's got his name on. He authored a book I think called "The Best Weapon Is No Weapon," talking about like the importance oh, yeah. of of civil uh, civic engagement. I have it someplace. I I, I must admit oh. I only read parts of it because it was pretty cerebral and I I like stupid books. But um, he uh, 
Yeah, so I mean, Shannon, oh, it was a tragedy. Uh, he was in a. I guess he was he was piloting the plane too, right? Piloting, yeah, piloting a plane. I think he had his fiance with him, mm-hmm. I believe, and I think they mm-hmm. both perished, which is tragic. You know, oh god, I remember. Yeah, it's very uh, tragic. So, is certainly a word. So one of the things, and, that was, and I think that was right before our twentieth um, reunion. Yeah, that was that was like a like a month or two before twentieth reunion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was very tragic and 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 crazy, but and very sad. And I, I just you know I, I he was a larger than life guy. Missed him. I considered him, you know, a friend, and and I think we all did. And and uh, I think yep. he was wasn't he like he was head of Boy State too, like Boys Nation, coming into West Point. Yeah, he, he, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. He was like. Uh... Like he's another guy for Boys Nation. Maybe. He's another high-profile guy that got a big ass slug too. I think didn't he get busted for mm-hmm. having a car or something like that? Yeah, yeah, he did. I I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I remember he was a kid at private. He went from like having like you know all these stripes on his arm down to like having nothing. I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're there but the grace of God. Yeah. No kidding. So, so, so Scott, like, so one, I mean, as, as our class president now, like one of the things that we have to do as a class is if God forbid, when somebody passes away, we have, we, we find the right time and method to notify next of kin, like, Hey, we are here for you as a class. And tell me about those responsibilities and what goes down with yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and, you know, and, and fortunately, um, it's never it's never easy um whether whether or not i i had had a personal relationship with our fallen classmate or not it's uh that certainly is the most difficult aspect of being class president is is contacting the next next of kin because i always try and call them um and offer condolences on behalf of our class right some some of the next of kin, whether it's a parent um, or a spouse, in some instances it's actually been a child, uh, as in the case of uh, Tim Hoskinson, mm. um, to you know express our condolences. And and normally what I do is there's normally you know a classmate that's had a close relationship with them that's either they found out and then either notified myself or the AOG, and then I'll try and work through, you know, that individual classmate that has that relationship to, hey, when is the, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to call and express my condolences. You know, one is that, you know, one is, you know, can you find out if if that's okay? Will they accept the call? When's the best time to call? Or, you know, if they don't want to hear from me as the class president on behalf of our, our class, then, you know, that's fine, you know. I mean, they'll still get a, they'll still get a card uh, in the mail from me, and then they'll get flowers, you know, at at the funeral services um, if they have flowers or, you know, a memorial donation on behalf of our class. So, um, but now I, I can tell you, within the last um, two or three years, we actually now have what we could do better is um, after you know staying in contact with either the the widow or the widower. Um, or the family after the, you know, after our classmate has passed, do a better job staying in touch with them. And um, Ovi Alfaro has, you know, volunteered to uh, to uh, 
our class bereavement officer. So he'll um, he'll you know talk uh, engage with AOG and um, you know if there's a funeral home perhaps you know um, you know if they're still on active duty. Heaven forbid that you know there's a casualty assistance officer or whatever. I've had to deal with them in the past as well. Um, he'll be that conduit and help to try and, you know, make sure that, you know, if the family needs anything, uh, more that the class can do or that West Point can do or the AOG can do, then, then Ovi tries to, you know, facilitate that as well, which is, which has been beneficial and has lifted some of that, you know, off my shoulders, but then also, you know, probably going a little more than what, what I would have done in the past as class president. So, um, but like I said, that's, you know, the least favored job of being class president is offering condolences because it's never easy and you never know what the right thing to say to um, a grieving uh, spouse, uh, parent, uh, sibling, or, you know, uh, child. Yeah, Ovi, Ovi actually played in the 150-pound football game with me. So he was a 150-pound. He was a sprint football guy, so he was out there playing. It was good to see him. Yeah, I think he was a quarterback. I think he was a quarterback. Was he? Oh, when he was different. in school, I think. Yeah, I thought, I thought so. Yeah, he's a pretty... He 150 at school and quarterback. You know? He's a pretty spiritual... He's an athletic guy. He's a pretty spiritual guy, too, so he's a good guy to, I think, yeah. have. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, too. Yeah, he is very, very spiritual as well. And, uh, it's, you know, Ovi was a prepster. He was an alpha company as well. Mm. Well, that's good to have him out there. And hopefully we don't have to make too many too many more calls like that uh, for a long, long time. So, yeah, uh, yes, you know, indeed. One of the things, like we're not, one of the things we talked a little bit on the pre-call, and I, like, I want this to be authentic, as we mentioned, uh, on the on the pre call, and I don't want to I don't want to dance around certain topics, you know. But th- there's one important right. topic that we should we should we should find a way to address. We should just be outright about it, you know. The number one leading yep. cause of death among our classmates by a long shot is suicide, and that's a scary yeah. thing. And it, um, it is. Yeah. So so you know we've lost. We've lost 20, 25 classmates. I said twenty four last month, but actually, you, you reminded me that we lost Michael Haas uh, when we were cadets, and so uh, twenty five is the number. And 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 the number is the number is a significant number. It's not one or two. It's more than that. Uh, who we have lost due to uh, taking their own lives. And and so um, while I'm certainly not, I'm, I'm in a position to know know enough to know that I don't know enough. Um, I wonder if on a future podcast we should maybe think about how we can one of the one of the ideas of the, of this podcast is to lift each other up and to and to be there for one another and and to be able to maybe surface these kind of important topics and, and so it's it's you know the, clearly looking at pattern recognition as I said before you know looking at you know uh, the uh the age of our class and the stuff that we go through i mean it's 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 an unfortunate statistic and it's one that um jumps out at you and so uh so, yeah yeah so I, yeah, I agree like we talk, we talked about earlier you know today i you know i i think that it would warrant um you know a podcast and in a, in a you know frank discussion as far as uh, you know suicides and i know um, you know, I think September is, you know, 
National Suicide Prevention Month. I believe Vince had posted something about that, which was which was good, and I appreciate that he posted that in uh, USMA in the on the USMA ninety one Facebook page. Uh, but really, and uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm certainly not qualified to talk about depression or any of the stuff, any of the things that you know certainly lead up to to uh, someone thinking that the only way out is to take their own life but uh, uh, certainly you know making sure that you know our classmates know that there are other classmates out there that they can lean on to share with them without being judged and you know just to reach out and talk to somebody before you you, you make that decision to you know the ultimate decision no, right? you should and never make yeah I, I don't know and I don't know, you know, how we can do that to make sure that it doesn't happen to another one of our classmates. Well, I think, I think, I mean, uh, like, like what, like the idea that Vince had and so many other people commented, like, here's my cell phone. Like if you post it into, into the, uh, if you post it into the, into the group, uh, the group Facebook page, like you only see it who only, only people see that are people on the group Facebook page. And I know for one, I mean, I would be there for anybody, any one of our classmates. And, um, what I think we may want to try to do, I mean, we've, as we've got some classmates that are very spiritual, we've got classmates that are, uh, you know, wearing the cloth, uh, that are, uh, you know, they're chaplains that are, you know, various different types of clergy. Uh, so, you know, making, making those resources known and available, but also, uh, there's a, there's a guy class of 98 who's got a PhD, uh, and who studies this phenomenon. And maybe there's a point in time where I could bring him on as a guest and we could talk a little bit more specifically about that. I have to believe, I, I don't know what other classes look like, but I, I hope that nobody has, the kind of numbers that 91 has uh, in that regard. I, I hope that we are an anomaly, uh, and I hope yeah. that it stops here. Uh, but and you know, there's also there's there's also this this phenomenon called suicide contagion, and I don't want to um, you know I I, I again I, I want to caution that I know enough to know that I don't know enough. But I have looked into this a little bit, and there is this kind of concept that like if you know somebody that did, and you know somebody else that did, you're more likely to do it. And uh, I think we need to make sure that we've got resources out there uh, that are available to everybody. Yeah, agreed. And I know that um, our classmate, Jeff Settle, has had reached out to me. Um, I believe it was Jeff about, uh, you know, like a chaplain's corner or something like that for um, any classmates that wanting to talk to, you know, a, a person of the cloth or just, and it doesn't even have to be about suicide, just anything that's, you know, if they're going through something and they want to talk to a priest or a pastor that's shared common experience with them or something to make, to make that available. And I can tell you as an executive committee, um, we've discussed this. Um, we haven't taken action on it yet. Uh, because we want to make, we got to be careful, right? Cause, uh, you start getting into religion and how we, we want to be sure that we're not, you know, we're not promoting one religion or the next or right. even promoting religion at all, just making sure that there's resources available. So, so we're going to, we're still going to move forward on that. And then if, if, um, you know, if hopefully our classmates will, uh, recognize that that's, that's a good thing and that we won't have any classmates that, 
have issues with it, and we want to try and implement that in a way that that wouldn't be the case. So that's why we're kind of proceeding cautiously on it. But you know, I still think we need to we need to do something you know, based upon what we've experienced to date, and yeah. as you said, hopefully we don't experience it going forward. Well, I think the main thing is to just be aware of like the suicide prevention number, which is also posted in our in our page, and and to be there for each other, and and also. Uh, Maybe in a few more weeks around Thanksgiving time, we can have a specific podcast that talks about uh, this particular topic, and we can have a, a guest, a guest, uh, a guest on that, that is more uh, educated in this in this regard. So it's an important topic. But I want to take us back to a to to a more. Yeah, let's, let's get to a happier. Stuff. No, no, but 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 also <laughs> let's let's also look at the you know the intention here. One of the, one of the stated intentions of of the old grad podcast is to lift each other up and. You know, that's a segue actually to the to the whole concept here, which is that the reason why we're here is we want to foster continued con- connections among our classmates and and continue to have a, a new medium to remember each other and to and to communicate with each other. We want to remember our fallen classmates. We got a chance today to talk a little bit about Shannon, our our former class president and and good friend of of, of all of ours. Um, we want to stay connected to the activities of West Point. We talked about Army uh, football. We talked about Army. Sprint football and uh, the great accomplishments of that. And uh, we also want to be there to recognize the uh, significant accomplishments of our classmates as well as to lift each other up. And so that's one of the one of the purposes is to lift each other up. And to the extent that we see this as an opportunity to address these difficult topics, we want to do it. And we're not going to shy away from it. So um, Army-Navy, are you, you heading out to Army-Navy this year, Scott? Yes, we are. We are heading to Army-Navy this year. So I haven't been there in a while, but we're we're heading out this year. Uh, so yeah, looking looking forward to it. What about you? Are you going to be there? Yeah, I you know because I'm so close. I, I have not missed one. I I've been to oh, I've been to eighteen. That's awesome. I've been to eighteen. I think I've been to eighteen. The last eighteen. Today is actually my son's twentieth birthday. Uh, he's in oh, college. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So I I kind of track it back to that. So I was going. I was going before he was born. I think I took two years off when he was a, when he was an infant, and then I kept going after that. So I think I've been to 18 straight games, which means I saw a lot of losses. But I saw two yeah. recent wins, which, I mean, after this Oklahoma thing, we've got to be we got to be way up. We've got to be favored to beat Navy yeah. this year, I would think. You know? Yeah, I well, hope so. We beat, we beat Hawaii. <laughs> We beat Hawaii. Hawaii beat Navy. So by like electricity, somehow we're we're favored to beat Navy. We have to be. I I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think you know. I mean, if if they play every weekend like they played yesterday, my goodness, it'll we'll be going to a nice bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. As well, in addition to beating Navy. Yeah, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Well, Scott, can you believe we've been talking for almost an hour and a half now? It's just it just goes by so fast. Like we 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 there's stuff we meant to talk about we didn't talk about, and uh, I think we hit on the the major important topics. And it's uh, it just goes so fast. And uh, our next old grad podcast is going to be October seventh. It's going to be at AUSA. It's with a mystery guest. Uh, I will reveal it that night, uh, and then uh, we'll be going then on the road uh, again on October 21st. We're heading out to um, Carlisle Barracks. I'm still with an asterisk because I'm I'm working a scheduling conflict. That's also back. That's also Parents Weekend at my son's college, which is Babson in Massachusetts. So uh, I don't know if I can get from Massachusetts to Carlisle in one afternoon. 
Hopefully I can. We'll figure that out. Well, we'll send we'll send Moni out there, and you can get on the back of her bike. She'll get you there. Well, she'll get me there. Like <laughs> she'll get me there in like two hours. Yeah, she, she's yeah. So, um, but uh, you know, the motto of our class is "Duty shall be done," and I can't think of uh, you know there, there's there's many of us who 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 lift who lift the laboring oar more than others and scott i think you're one of those people i want to thank you for your leadership as our class president i want to thank you for always being there and always like going the extra mile for us and whether it was back when we were cadets or in the army or or now as graduates i think that you lead the way and uh thank you i'm happy to call you a friend and and a classmate and i appreciate all that you've done for our class well jamie uh Thank you so much for those kind comments, you know, and, you know, right back at you. I mean, this, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're a class fundraising chairman right now. You certainly, you know, are doing a bang up job. I can't thank you and Anthony DeToto, uh, ahead of you. Yeah. Totes set it up. Thank you. Yeah. Well, but thanks for, thanks for your leadership and getting, uh, you know, setting that bar high for our, you know, classmate engagement, you know, of, of a hundred percent or at least 91%. We're the most active, uh, engaged class, uh, in, uh, AOT history as far yeah. as giving back and for, and for doing this podcast. I mean, this is awesome. I mean, just, uh, you know, I look forward to it. Uh, I've, I've, you know, listened to everyone. I actually got up the, got up the nerve to uh, call last week when uh uh monique was on and stuff uh you know old friend and uh you know it's 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 great to and hopefully we'll get more classmates uh you know listening in and you know i know i know we didn't get any calls in tonight but you know that's uh you know that's tremendous for doing that and i also want to thank joe too because i know um I'm not sure what kind of uh, partnership or agreement you have with Joe, but uh, that's just, just I'm his slumlord. I, I thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm his slumlord. <laughs> I'm, uh, he, 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 he's got the studio in a building that I, I'm the, I'm the slumlord. No, so. it's the least I can do. Yeah. The least I can do. I get, I get, I get Joe yeah. a bottle of wine every time we do this. And then, and, and yes. that's all, that's all, that's all it takes. And I, I'm, I'm also grateful for you, Joe, for, for doing that. Oh so no, like you. I said, the least I can do. You guys have uh, served the country and, uh, Least, uh, least I can do. Yeah, very simple. All right, Scott. Any last words? No, except uh, you know, beat the hell out of Navy. Let's beat Navy, and duty shall be done. Thank you, everybody. All right, I'll see you at Army Navy. Yep, see you there. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast.